the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pat Vitucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fatucci, with over 30 years experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. And I got a friend of mine who um, ran into kind of an interesting retirement challenge. His name is Paul. Paul is about 62 years old. When he started working and raising a family, Paul felt that he couldn't afford to save for retirement. You've probably no doubt heard about that before. But at Paul's next job, he spent nine years when the company he worked for came on hard times. So his employer cashed out his pension plan one year short of when he would become vested. At Paul's next job, he didn't stay long enough to qualify for a company retirement benefit. And then over the next few years, what Paul did save, he pulled out in loans to send his kids to college and eventually sent his wife to Hawaii. I'm not sure whether she came back or not. I'll have to ask him that. You know, Pat, finally, Paul got serious about saving for retirement. He scrimped and saved and managed to build up a decent nest egg. But now at the age of 62, he can't help but think about how much better off he was telling me thinks he would be if he'd done a better job of socking away money during the first two decades in the workforce. Is that a common story? Yeah, sadly, it is very common. We all get hung up on our day-to-day commitments, and it seems logical to spend money during that moment of your life, but it's always a trade-off based on how you're feeling about what you want to accomplish in the long run. You know, you always solve short-term problems tomorrow and long-term problems you'll postpone. And and then before you know it, like your friend Paul, you're 60-plus years old, you say, wow, maybe I, uh, I should have been a little more diligent in saving my nickels and dimes. It's a classic retirement mistake. It kind of creeps up on you pretty darn quick. You think you're young, and then before you know it, you wake up and you say, wow, I'm 60 years old already. And so... We know relying on Social Security and a pension are antiquated ideas, Craig. It's just something that mom and dad live pretty comfortably on, on a Social Security and or a pension. So why shouldn't I? Well, we know the world has changed a lot, and pensions for most of us are non-existent. And Social Security represents a, a very minor part of our income. The other problem is sometimes we seem to want to solve an immediate problem. So when we change jobs, we cash out of our 401k and pay that Visa card off, pay off the car, put a kid through school. And that seems logical at the time. 
But meanwhile, you've again postponed your retirement. People say, well, I'm going to keep working. I'll just, you know, I'm always going to have great health and I'm going to keep on working. And we hope that's true for most of our listeners. But we know sometimes medical conditions kick in or corporate America says, you know what, we're going to downsize you, meaning we're going to fire you. And uh, we think we can hire two 30-year-olds to take your place and not have the kind of fringe benefit costs and the salary costs and then try to find a comparable job. And instead, you're working for $12 an hour. And that, that makes it really difficult to save for a retirement. Not even to speak of not capitalizing on the tax deferral of making those generous deposits every year into to a 401k or IRA, whatever your plan is at work, your 403b. So it, it's all about postponing that inevitable decision that you know you've got to make. You're really making mistakes at two ends here, aren't you, Pat, in the sense that not only, as you suggest, by not capitalizing on the tax deferral, you're paying higher taxes today. And then, of course, you're losing momentum by not setting that money aside month by month in your retirement plan so the money is there when you were already retired. It really compounds itself. And and they're, frankly, number of years able to save is diminishing. It becomes pretty difficult to start saving big chunks of money unless you're blessed with a very low overhead all of a sudden. You've downsized your home or you've downsized your your monthly nut. Perhaps should have been very aggressive in your younger years and predominantly having stocks in your 401k. And now you got to overcorrect and be a little bit too conservative because now you're older and you may need the money sooner. So therefore, it minimizes your performance because now you got to be a little bit more conservative because you're older. And that kind of makes sense. Kind of paint yourself into a corner. You know, we all want to retire early. That seems to be the be the mantra. I'm not sure if that's a healthy idea, number one. And I'm not sure if that's a doable idea, number two. Because if you're not really financially prepared with what we call critical mass dollars, in other words, having enough money and getting a decent systematic payment every month to replace that paycheck, retiring early just doesn't become feasible at all. Did Paul make a mistake, Pat, here in the sense that he, he, as you're suggesting, cashed out his pension, or in this case, took a loan out against his 401k in order to send his kids to college and the wife to Hawaii? Not knowing Paul as intimately as you do, what seemed right for him at the time was probably his motivation to make that happen. How can you question not sending a kid to college? I mean, that's pretty hard to tell your kid, well, sorry, son, sorry, sorry, daughter. You can't go to school because mom or dad and or dad were irresponsible. You can't tell a child that in most cases. It's a trade-off at the expense of what your fiscal responsibility is to funding your retirement for you and your spouse. Paul's decision is admirable to take care of his kids for their college funding. There's nobody on the face of the earth that would try and deny a child's education. That's admirable. That's the right thing to do. You can take out a loan for the child's education. The child can take out loans or grants or options, all these other opportunities. But Paul cannot borrow money to fund his retirement. There's not a vehicle yet that does that. Maybe the government will invent one of those loans, but I'm not sure when you would pay it off after death. I'm not sure how that would work out. But funding and borrowing for child's education is a real opportunity. And and let's face it, the child can participate in that. And that adds value to what he or she thinks is the value of an education. There's another chance to kind of redeem Paul and at the same time perhaps send the right message to his child that he's got to participate. He or she has to participate in the funding of that education. 
So it's really difficult to put yourself in that kind of predicament. But nevertheless, it happens a lot. And we certainly encourage folks to look at their lifestyle. It's, it's all about lifestyle. We all want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to go to Hawaii. We want to go to Europe. We want to drive a nice car. And we want to live in the right neighborhood. But it's at what expense? And let's face it, we're not going to want to work forever or the corporate world is going to make a decision for us and they're not going to want us around forever. And so now what do you do when you are faced with the pragmatism of your earning capacity greatly diminished? And what do you do about taking care of business today? How do you pay your PG&E bill tomorrow and your visa bill and your car payment? Oh, by the way, trying to think about retirement. It's a dilemma that is not uncommon, but many times there are solutions. If folks come into our any of our offices, we can get a little creative. In many cases, um, Paul may have a super house that's appreciated wonderfully, and maybe it's time to cash in those expensive two-by-fours, Craig, and, and move to a more, a more simple life. So move to a retirement village, and at least there's a chunk of money there that can be used as a source of income. If you see yourself making one of these mistakes, maybe it's time for a little bit of an intervention. Maybe a sit down with one of the advisors from Vitucci and Associates in any of the Bay Area offices can help give you the guidance to not repeat some of these mistakes to keep you on track for retirement. To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 888- P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to DontInvestAndForget.com. That's DontInvestAndForget.com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's DontInvestAndForget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices, DontInvestAndForget.com. Welcome back to Don't Invest and Forget. My special guest today, Tanner Fregard, is a financial consultant. Tanner, welcome to the show. Pat, it is such an honor to be here. I appreciate you guys inviting me on today. So you are part of a team that really focuses on the world of insurance. Sometimes when we mention the word insurance, we can put people to sleep in a nanosecond. So let's talk about some exciting things that are happening and some of the issues that you come across. I mean, there's a whole myriad of insurances, but we're talking more on the financial services side. Let's talk about life insurance. We know there are a whole variety of life insurances. There's term life, whole life, variable life, universal life, indexed universal life, and a whole myriad of other hybrids. How do you get a person that needs that protection for their family or for their business to make sure they've got the protections. We know stuff happens in life, whether it's disability, whether it's death, your partner goes south with your money. There's a whole variety of bad stuff out there. Talk to our listeners about how to protect themselves from some of the bad stuff that may happen to an individual. So in addition to some of the things you already alluded to, as far as some health concerns, uh, there's some other 
things to, to consider as well as far as protecting what you have. You know, a lot of times uh, the bigger we get company-wise, it kind of puts a bigger target on our back for people who end up uh, trying to sue you, you know, trying to look for anything that could go wrong. And, and they want to make sure that, first of all, that those are protected. But to answer your first question as far as how do we calculate what is the appropriate amount of insurance, the first thing is, is we got to establish what's the goal. You know, what are we actually utilizing the, the insurance policy for? Because there are so many different variables, as you, as you mentioned, and all types of different types of policies as well, we want to make sure that we're putting the clients in the most appropriate resources for them so that they can take advantage of those things. Because we don't want a high, super high cost or you're just paying for life insurance unless that's the actual goal. So you want to start by taking a couple steps back, I guess, and kind of understanding what the priorities are, probably income, net worth, legacy planning, all those things tie into your decision-making, I suspect. Clearly, if you have a business, you want to make sure you've got some property and casualty insurance of your suit, or if you yourself get ill, some disability insurance. Those are some bigger issues you want to address to protect that entrepreneur's family, correct? Absolutely. And and one of the questions I always ask is, do we plan on living for the next 15 years? Or do we plan on dying in the next 120 years? Do we have a plan for both? Right? And so if it is for the business, you know, there's a lot of tax deductions we can leverage with certain types of policies, um, you know, that allow them those tax advantages and allow them to bonus out some of their executives. So depending on, again, the strategy of what the goal is of, of what we're trying to accomplish, we really want to make sure that it's more customized for fitting that need versus just putting a policy in place and just, you know, kind of like a lot of our conversations, a lot of times people just set it and forget it. And that's not the approach that you want to take with anything, especially insurance. You should have these things reviewed. You should be understanding some of the components. And I know it can get a little complex, but that's really why we wanted to be here as a resource to help answer any questions, concerns, or, you know, try to create a creative strategy to complete what it is that we're actually looking to accomplish. Maybe we need, during recessions, maybe we need more access to capital. Well, if we set these things up in, in advance, there are those opportunities where we can actually start taking loans out against them, and there's no time limits. There's no things that come back negatively on, on the credit or any of those aspects. You don't have to get approved. You can just utilize those dollars and maximize marketing or expansion or hire new talent or whatever resources that you're looking to accomplish for that company. So you're saying there's no one size fits all. It's really a very customized approach. And the fact that it premiums in some cases are tax deductible, of course, they need to check with their CPA. We are not tax professionals. We highly recommend you talk to your CPA or your enrolled agent or your accountant to understand if these plans are suitable for your particular situation. Your goal, I guess, is to limit potential exposure to bad things that might happen and kind of protect not only the entrepreneur, but the entrepreneur's family. Should the entrepreneur begin to have some health issues uh, where they can't continue the, the business or in a very sad case, the entrepreneur dies and it leaves the family perhaps running a business that their expertise does not allow them the privilege of running that business. Absolutely. What if we got sick and we're not able to perform the same duties that we did? 
Well, in addition to the additional new stress added on, you know, there's so many other variables that I also start going into that. You know, how is the family going to take care of it? Or what if we had a, a passing away with one of the partners? Now, if we didn't have something in place stating who's going to take over the book, things can get very hairy very quickly, right? And so that's why we want to make sure that those things are set up in advance. Also, just to mention, like, the healthcare costs, I'm sure it's no big surprise, but these things are getting increased each and every year. And so having access to more capital in the event that we needed it, again, it's never something we're planning on or hoping would happen. But in the end, we want to make sure that we do have that, I, I call it that stop loss on, on everything that could go wrong. Talk to our audience about this term called key man insurance. If you've got a partner, two or three, how does the key man insurance work? Excellent question, Pat. So there's several ways of uh, putting together a key man insurance. So part of it could just be uh, utilizing like a term policy. And in the event that something happens to one of the partners, then they can have the benefit of those dollars actually go to either the company so that now they can hire and attract new uh, talent uh, that's a big thing. Also, keeping operational costs. Let's say we ran a tech company as, an, as a concept, and my top coder, like, he knows everything in the coding aspect. Well, in the event that he got sick and or he's no longer with us or she's no longer with us, what's going to happen to the company? You know, is it going to be another six or eight months before we can hire, train, develop somebody to take on that position, that role that they were filling? Well, that's where really that key man could come in and, and help bridge that gap, if you would, uh, to make sure that the company is able to stay afloat or that we can have, let's say, on the partnership level, if we were to change directions, um, what if we had a spouse that was never involved really in the business? Well, a key man policy could allow you that opportunity to buy out that other partner. And those are all things that you, you establish well in advance. It's, you know, we get together with an attorney. We, we, we make sure that all of the analytics, we've done a business review. We're looking at, you know, what's, what's the overall cost. We're not just throwing pie-in-the-sky numbers and saying business evaluation is valued at X, right? When we do the appropriate steps, that's when then we can come back and say, okay, a key man policy makes sense here. Or, you know, maybe we're looking for some deductions, in which case we get a little bit more advanced on some of those key man policies for the company to take some tax deductions as a whole. Tanner Fergard specializes in insurance protection, whether it's disability insurance, any life insurance, key man insurance. There's no one size fits all. Tanner will come in and evaluate your business needs, your family needs, make some recommendations really in an effort to protect the business and or the family. If there's any questions for Tanner, give us a call, one plan wise That's one plan wise Tanner, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time spent with us. Pat, it was just an honor on my side. I appreciate you taking the time to, to have me on. Any questions for Tanner, give us a call. One triple eight plan wise. That's one eight 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 plan wise. Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. When perhaps any of us think about the secrets to a happy marriage, it's usually things like a comfortable home with a picket fence, three or four children, the dog, occasional vacations, all the basic things that comprise the so-called American dream. 
But is there much more to it than that? Research tells us that of marriages that wind up in divorce, fully 50%, on average, the number one complaint bar none is financial challenges. We'll talk today about secrets to a happy marriage, financially speaking, with our host, Pat Vitucci. And Pat, it's interesting. You know, we all say we can live without money so long as we have love. But at the end of the day, boy, lacking good money management skills can really put downward pressure on all that love business, can it? You know, you're such a Grinch, really. (laughs) You know, where was the romance in your life? There was such an unromantic topic to talk about money when you're in love with the person you've just fallen for, you you know, you're just devoured by this person. It's just, and now you got to bring up money? First first date, what's your FICO score? (laughs) Now they ask for uh, FICO scores and bring a net worth statement on the first date or else don't waste my time. You know, it's a big time. People are getting engaged, setting out plans for their future. What a wonderful time. What a, all that excitement. But the pragmatism of the relationship has got to be studied. You can't just live in the clouds and you got to take off your rose-colored glasses and say, okay, let's talk about what's your opinion about money? What are your priorities What are your spending habits? What are your saving habits? What kind of baggage am I buying? Do you have a Visa card, MasterCard with $50,000 balance that you haven't told me about it? Oh, you'll tell me right after the honeymoon. Oh, by the way, honey, I forgot to mention, you know, that Visa card with the $50,000? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I I should have mentioned. I kind of forgot. It was just, you know, it slipped my mind. Well, all the stuff like that happens, sadly, all too often. It's all about communication, whether it's intentional or deception. And then the discussion can get pretty intense. And what's the cost of that kind of conflict? It can kind of put a sour note on all that love and all that euphoria that you're feeling. So we always talk about engaged listening. You know, guys are can't be watching a football game and talking about finances to your newly engaged gal or she can't be uh, polishing her nails while you're trying to review your financial statement. So engaged listening really is literally sitting face to face, no other distractions in the room, nobody else in the room, quiet time, and really getting a connection on what the priorities are. Most times it's, it's going to work out nicely, but you got to look at body language you got to look at, you know, who's being the more assertive? Is there one dominating that kind of a, a discussion? Are there emotions in the discussion? Are there excuses for bad behavior, perhaps? You really have to drill down. And sometimes it needs a moderator of some sort, maybe a therapist, maybe a counselor of some sort. Somebody you really believe will create an environment which will engage in a conducive environment, an honest discussion about money. It's not a sexy topic. It's not a romantic topic, but creating an active listening environment, we think is the key to a long standing marriage. Listen, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got financial sins, if you will. We've all made bad choices, but it really takes that pause. Even if you go away for a weekend and all you talk about is, and write it down, document, 
our priority is to buy a house in the first three years or to buy a car or all those priorities are really important. Guys and gals have different ideas. We all have, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, as Dr. John Gray has always said. And even when it comes to money, we think very differently about money. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. But it's like all good marriages. You compromise. I've been invited into some of those sessions and and most times they come out very productive and there's good disclosure. If there's any past sins, they hopefully come out. You want to be honest and open with your future spouse. And even when it comes to financial stuff, it's, it becomes really, really important. Does it start, Pat, too, with being honest with yourself? And I ask that question because we all bring baggage, so to speak, into our marriage relationship that comes from our family of origin. So in other words, if mom and dad were really tight savers, either you learned and picked up that skill or or maybe you thought it was an entirely too cheap of a way to live and instead of adopted a, hey, I'm going to spend an enjoy life attitude. And of course, when you get mixtures of folks, so either you have two spenders together, two savers together, or maybe a spender and a saver, that can really create a lot of that acrimonious feeling over the issue of money. So is a big part of this starting by recognizing for yourself what your attitudes are about money and what you bring into the relationship? It's interesting that you say that because a lot of us have a very different opinion of ourselves about money than what somebody else may be more objectively looking at. We're a product of our parents, as you said, and how they handle the money. Uh, you're either going to be more like mom or more like dad or maybe a blend of both, but it's that money personality you bring to the table Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I really am a little extreme on this idea or I'm too lenient, I'm too conservative, I'm too cautious, I have an adversarial relationship with money, I don't get along with money, it scares the death out of me, and risk is that four-letter word I don't want to have anything to do with. So it's interesting um, that we have whole dichotomy, even about ourselves, you know. In a good marriage, you compromise. In my marriage, if my wife is in the mood for Mexican and I'm in the mood for Italian food, we compromise. We have Mexican food. So, you know, it's that issue that mom is not happy, nobody's happy. But we've got to make sure we don't have resentment. You can't keep giving in and not having your say at the table, as we often speak of. It's an open communication, a dialogue, and a compromise that you get your way this time, I get my way next time. Or, you know, we want to spend... um, this money on this vacation, and I want to buy a car, you kind of compromise, you know, maybe a vacation this year and a new car next year or vice versa. But it's that compromise when there's not the communication and it's subject to interpretation and then resentment sets in and then you get what the psychologists will call resentment flu, this buildup and then it just explodes over something really silly and you wasn't really the issue at that moment in time. It was the collection of all the past compromises that you didn't get your way or she got her way or whatever the issue is. It boils over and it it will leak out in some way, shape or form. And that's not healthy either. So it's a continual dialogue along the way that will keep that topic fresh and healthy on the right path to a good financial life together. 
Two Beatles tunes come to mind that kind of bookend this entire life experience. It begins with All We Need Is Love, and it ends sometimes with Will You Still Need Me, Will You Still Feed Me When I'm 64. I like it. (laughs) The irony, of course, Pat, between those two is as much as we think about we start the marriage relationship off, so we begin with maybe getting some financial counseling at the start of the marriage so that everybody is together on the same page and pulling together toward the same goal is probably a smart thing. Thing to do. You know, it really is. We counsel thousands of young people and some not so young people. You know, the young people are, are easier, 20 or 30 years old. They, they don't have a lot of financial baggage with them. How about second marriages when they're 50 or 60 years old? That becomes a little bit more of a challenge because now there's prenups and how unromantic is a prenup. But those discussions are even more important because there's generally a lot more assets on the table or liabilities on the table. And so getting that communication for a second marriage is demonstrably tougher discussion, but hide stuff from each other. It will only result in hard feelings. You'll come home one day and something will come in the mail and your spouse opens up something that she thought was innocuous and it turns out to be an item that you didn't confess to. That becomes a problem. Nobody likes to find the bill from the secret Visa credit card account. Absolutely. So if you want to come in for that complimentary financial and retirement plan review for young newlyweds, an opportunity to get everything started on the right track, then simply go to DontInvestAndForget.com and schedule your appointment today. That's DontInvestAndForget.com or call toll-free 888-PLANWISE, 888-PLANWISE. P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-C or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Petucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.